Dearest listener, welcome to a Bridgerton podcast, a weekly show dissecting the Bridgerton family and the ongoings of the rest of the ton, presented by Mr Ben Butler and the Right Honourable Robbie Christmas. May God have mercy on your souls. Alright, thank you Lord Rissledown for that lovely intro as always. Um, hey Robbie, how are you? I'm good, man. Other half of the week, we got our last episode, at least last Bridgerton episode. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling good. Don't ask how I'm doing or are you just... Really, how are you? Okay. I'm good. I was better before I had to explicitly ask you to ask me, but... You didn't even give me a chance. You barely... I didn't even finish talking about how I was doing before you <laughs> asked that. How needy can you be? Like characters in Bridgerton, when I'm talking to you, I'm really just talking to a projection of myself. So uh, <laughs> You're only thinking about what you are going to say next. Pretty much. Well, like you said, I'm good, and then paused for, like, granted a second or two, but in podcast time, particularly podcast over Zoom, that felt like an eternity. So I was like, oh, like, do I jump back in and call you out on not asking me how I am? And that was the journey I went on. Maybe we should just start over. <laughs> Episode 8. <laughs> hey man um hey how are you i'm pretty good thank you for asking good um, oh yeah, awesome i'm i'm really great i i'm feeling a little embarrassed actually um if why I, um so we've been on spotify for ages and we t- it took a little bit of time for us to get onto apple Podcasts. yeah and when, we, when we did i was like oh well, i want to like you know review the podcast just to like get things going yeah and i, I know a few people have reviewed the podcast because they've they've messaged us to let us know which has been great so please keep reviewing the podcast um really people have been reviewing the podcast well they they told me they have but the problem is that apple i think verifies all their reviews so it takes a few days for them to come through so currently the only review on the podcast is from me and i could <laughs> and i couldn't remember if i had a like what my apple like username was um but it's just the same as all my other like social media accounts it's just benji butler like so it like i left the review being like what a great podcast uh, five stars <laughs> from ben butler who is one of the hosts and everyone else who has reviewed uh theirs hasn't like populated yet so currently yeah. um we have a five star rating on apple podcast but hey. it's just it's just from me so i'm a little embarrassed i think that's kind of like liking your own posts but i figured it was worth like it hosting for... your own talent show yeah yeah, that's okay. We'll get more. We'll get more, um, which is probably a good um, segue for me to say. If you like the show and you have liked the show, you've enjoyed it, please feel free if you're listening on iTunes or Apple uh, mm-hmm. to leave us a review and a rating. And if you're on Spotify, please share it. Tell a friend. Yeah. Um, and if you don't like it, you know, don't say anything. Either lie and said you like it or just don't tell anyone. All right, well, let's get started. Um, we open episode eight with Sir Granville painting a portrait of Simon and Daphne. Um, it's very uncomfortable, and they are way too far apart. Sir Granville notices this, and he can feel how uncomfortable it is between them. Simon tells Daphne that he is going to leave, and they will continue to live separately. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, Eloise thinks that Madame de la Croix is Lady Whistledown. She's pretty sure of it. And this is based on the fact that um, Madame de la Croix seems to be missing during all of the events. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's that she's missing from the events because she wouldn't necessarily be invited, but... That's true. I think it's that... And I fully thought... I, I fully bought into the, the Madame Delacroix as Lady Whistledown theory because she very much plays into it when Eloise is questioning her. And I think that might partly be because, like, Madame Delacroix thinks Eloise is questioning her about mm. Benedict. And, like, it's a classic, like, sitcom thing where, like, one person thinks they're talking about thing X and the other person thinks they're talking about thing Y. And it just, like, mm. to both of them, it seems very convincing that they're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, fu- I fully believe that um, she was Lady Wilson. I think it's because, like, you know, she, like, working on Eloise's theories, which, which are solid of, like, this is someone who has access to all these events. And yet you see when all the, the gals are in getting their fittings that they do talk about it. And, you know, like the way you might talk to your barber or hairdresser or something, I think talking to a dressmaker, you would divulge a lot. So right, I think she right. is well-placed to be, you know, she ends up not being um, Lady Wilson, of course, but yeah. both her playing into it and her position, I like, I, I could see why Eloise had landed on her. Yeah, I can too. Later on, it looks like Marina was trying to have an abortion uh, when she was drinking that tea. I still am not sure if it was also if she was trying to kill herself. I think it was very much like her just trying to get rid of the baby. She makes this comment about like, I'm no longer with child and seems very excited about that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Later at the market, Daphne tells Lady Bridgerton um, that her and Simon are going their separate ways. Lady Featherington looks like she's in camouflage in the scene with like the flowers behind her. Like she fully just like fades <laughs> into like the flower still. I'm not sure if that was intentional. And then Lady Bridgerton like with the understatement of the year makes the comment, I know I don't always say the right thing. Um, <laughs> which after her like, you know, sex is like what the puppies do and stuff like to be fair, right. when Lady Bridgerton... You and your, your father and I had a hard time controlling our passions. When Lady Bridgerton gets it right, she gets it very right, but she often gets it wrong, wrong. or just doesn't yeah. talk about it at all. Yeah. Um, but at least she's self-aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. it's a good point. So Lady Featherington comes to ask why they weren't invited to the event. And uh, it's a little awkward. Very awkward. And uh, Daphne ends up saying like, actually, I'm sure we can find room for you. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Yeah, it was nice. She's got some compassion for her. She can tell that she's desperate. Um. So it turns out Sir George's brother, Philip, is the one that came to visit Marina and tell her that George had died in battle. Marina is obviously devastated to find out that George has been writing her or had been writing her and wanted to run away with her and their baby. Mm -hmm. That's pretty heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking, but again, particularly in my second viewing of this, there was this kind of um, darkly comic moment where Marina, I think she's speaking to Daphne in this scene where she goes, um, you know, she's like upset obviously but also like happy and vindicated and she says uh he had a perfectly reasonable explanation for not writing back to me which is just such a funny way of describing like he's dead yeah um, <laughs> that's true <laughs> i couldn't help like sorry like, think... i didn't write sooner but i have been dead <laughs> yeah i couldn't help but think of like you know my email inbox which has like a bunch of mails i have to respond to <laughs> and be like i, I, I I'm sorry for the delay, but I have a perfectly reasonable explanation for this. I am dead. <laughs> and I just like, I love the idea of someone like... Yeah, that is, it is a little comical. She's like, you had a perfectly good reason for it. Yeah. Like, like imagine like you die or I die and, uh, you know, someone finds our email draft inbox and essentially just like follows up with the people that I've been emailing to be like, 
Oh, uh, well, like, clearly Ben wanted to send you that attachment, so I brought it <laughs> to you personally. Right. It's like, like, Marina finding out that he didn't write, like, it kind of eases the sting. Like, mm -hmm. she's she has some sort of dignity because she's feeling like, okay, well, you know, he was still interested in me. Yeah. On the other hand, or on the downside of this, is that he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'm not as offended as I would have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, on the plus side, he did love you. On the downside, he is no longer alive. He's um, no longer alive. Will tells his wife that he's thinking about throwing the match, or at least he alludes to it. Mm -hmm. Lord Featherington actually bets the deed to his house. So he meets these two shady looking characters uh, and he bets the deed to his house. I think Lord Featherington is the least subtle guy in the world. He has no chill. <laughs> <laughs> and is the worst person to pull off a scheme like this. Not that I'm advocating that people, um, you know, fraudulently bet on situations like this. But if I were to do that, I would not bet the deed to my house first off. I know he's lacking in capital. But also, I wouldn't, like, go up to, like, the shadiest people <laughs> in the thing. Who Clearly, he's, like, outspent his credit elsewhere. But if you're going to do this, you rope in a bunch of accomplices, do small bets... And give them a commission like that's the way to do it and also like make sure you lose some money ideally actually like lord Featherington himself would go and bet on will um so therefore he's covered and people are like oh well it couldn't have been him because he lost money and you'd network it out to a bunch of like oceans 11 types would be what i would do <laughs> instead what we have is like like the least little guy in the world goes up to like with a big shit-eating grin on his face because up to these like very clearly dodgy characters one of whom looks like a costco brand drake um and, he does he does <laughs> and like really just like and you see it later in terms of the actual boxing match like has zero chill and it's the least it's the most obvious thing that the guy is like oh <laughs> uh, like lord featherton is is a silly man Lord Featherington is like the equivalent of the guy that like is it's like his first day on the job as a narc, you know, <laughs> like you like, well, hello there, gentlemen. Yeah. I'm looking to purchase some pot. <laughs> like, they're, they're all obviously like, I just want you to know I'm not wearing a wire. <laughs> I think you guys are cops. <laughs> yeah. he, does, he has no idea what he's doing. So later, Anthony and Sienna exchange intense glances across the boxing match now sienna's there with matt good old matt the bartender the bartender i feel like matt must have like won some like radio contest to be like you get to appear on bridgerton and he turned <laughs> up and like they just didn't have time to like change his looks so like okay cool i guess you're in the show now like yeah there must be some explanation or he's like the director's nephew like it just doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense that this guy is in the show so they're exchanging glances anthony and sienna and uh, next thing we know, they're banging underneath what looks like the stands. Yeah, the very, like, light leaking through very open stands. I, I know. Yeah, it's... It's also horrible, because it's like, again, they're like, these aren't good people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, they're not good people. Like, she's cheating on the guy she's with right underneath him. Yeah. By fucking the guy, her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Simon knows that Will through the fight, he approaches Will and uh, Will says he did it for his family. Mm -hmm. And Simon starts to snap back at him and Will says, you're angry, but you're not angry with me. So finally go and do something about it. 
Will, in, in fairness, has repeatedly called Simon out on his lack of emotional regulation and projection. Like, yeah. no one apart from maybe Will in the show has good emotional regulation, um, which, is a, <laughs> which, which is a concern. I think if I had to be like one person in the show, I think I'd probably want to be Will. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I would be a terrible boxer, but... Um, so later on, we show the whole Bridgerton family hanging out and uh, Simon and Daphne show up and... Daphne sees how good Simon is with the the youngest kids, mm-hmm. um, and he's very cute with them, and he's he's very playful with them. It is cute, but it it is funny being like, well, two things: one, the Bridgerton family are really nice, and like that's cool. But could you imagine being hungover and having to deal with like the family sing songs the next morning? <laughs> It's like, oh, like Colin singing that fucking song about the cat again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> give me a break, man. Um, I know, can we have one family <laughs> gathering where someone's not singing? And then also, like, um, one of the mini Bridgertons is like, can I have a horse? And, um, you know, Simon's being quite cute, being like, oh, like, what a pony do? And mm-hmm. then, like, gives this like little origami thing but the guy is also like a multi-millionaire you could absolutely toss her a horse and he wouldn't he wouldn't notice yeah so horse is nothing to him it's, it's this cute moment but also like give the girl a horse man will you give her a horse dude uh anyway oh here's a note that i wrote that i i uh i knew you would be excited about is later at the ball we see none other yes than the mr cheese lover himself mr finch yes your favorite character, your hero of the series. Couple of questions. One, like this ball, it's happening in Will and Daphne's home, but it must be like their city home and not their like... Wait, Will and Daphne? You mean Simon and Daphne's home? Oh, Simon and Daphne, sorry. I was like, whoa, this is a weird plot twist. Yeah, so the ball is happening, I assume, in Simon and Daphne's like city home, which is kind of just their like little pied-a-terre, but it's this unbelievably massive house like in London. But if you go back to like their wedding... They have, like, Hastings' house is so far away, they have to stop off at an inn. So clearly people can't, like, travel that far for a ball, or maybe they can, I don't know. And just, like, a side note for a second, like, um, Daphne and Simon, the the actors who play them, talked a lot about the kind of grueling dance lessons and how they did all this, like, rehearsal, next rehearsal, and all sort of stuff. And to be fair, the dancing looks great. But in this scene, maybe it's just the slow motion, but it fully just looks like they're jumping around in circles. Um, and, <laughs> and, and it doesn't look that impressive at all. And like, don't be wrong, like I've like uh, in a very minimal capacity learned how to do like foxtrot and waltz and stuff, and it's, it is really hard, but like it definitely doesn't translate like on the screen. It does like in the scene, it just looks like they're like literally doing jumping jacks around the place. And then, yeah, it starts raining and like Mr. Finch wants to get in on it. He wants to dance. And then Lady Danbury stops him. She like gets way too aggressive. She like slams her cane up. Yeah. Like nearly hits him in the dick. Yeah. And she's like, everybody get out. I'd forgotten that was Mr. Finch who, you know, because it's such a big deal made out of like, oh, Daphne's such a free spirit. She's getting wet. How crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but like Mr. Finch, like imagine how fun that would have been if like Lady Danbury had like let him in and everyone joined and like they all went through this very literal but emotional kind of like let's throw caution to the wind let's all just enjoy this moment and instead no it's like no this is only for Simon and Daphne and it's always about Simon and Daphne and when can it not be about Simon and Daphne like for (laughs) once can we just see the rest of the town lighten up yeah, when's Mr. Finch going to get his due, you know? I didn't, I, I wasn't on board with you in the beginning when you just talked him up. Yeah. Um, but the more and more I think about it, in that scene, I was like, he was the first one. 
Yeah. To, like, he wanted to go do it. He was ready. He was being cute about it. Imagine if you were on a date. Yeah. And you saw this happening, right? Mm-hmm. And you were interested in this girl, and then her father said, no, you cannot be with my daughter, and scared you off. Mm-hmm. Then you're kind of confused and hurt. Then she comes back and... And it turns out, oh, it was a misunderstanding. You can be with her now because my family has money. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, okay, cool. And then it starts raining and everybody gets out in the shelter. And then Mr. Finch thinks to himself, you know what? I want to go out there. I want to dance with this girl. Like, this is going to be a cute moment for me. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. And then Lady Danbury stops him. And I I feel so, I, I feel completely shut down. I would be so frustrated if I were him. I'd be like, wait, What? Yeah, I think you absolutely nailed that. And like, as someone I assume has always been in the background, right? Not 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 just off this show, but sort of the whole like nice, lovely person who I'm sure gets you know looked over a bit and, and that kind of thing. Like Simon and Daphne have been the like you know diamond off the first water, belle of the season. Like you know, simply like 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 showered in all this praise. Give Mister Finch a fucking go on Dancing in the Rain, like. <laughs> he doesn't have much. Yeah, don't be a cock block. Yeah, it would have been a wonderful moment, but instead we get Daphne and Simon getting their like rebirth and apparently what you know, one session of marriage counseling could have sorted, but yeah. months of not talking and like fucking and not talking and fucking and not talking about fucking, <laughs> like one little like rain shower and suddenly the clarity like comes. That's another thing that I worry about is that people think that like if you're in an unhealthy relationship that it's going to be these small little insignificant moments that are going to just fix it all and it's just not realistic. It's not going to happen when you're like if you're in an unhappy marriage or relationship and you're in the rain, the rain's probably going to actually just piss you off. Yeah. Because you're probably already going to be on edge. You're going to feel like you're not with the person you trust. It's going to feel toxic. And then the rain is just going to add to it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to start laughing. And even in this moment, it doesn't really change anything. Like, it's still up to Daphne to make the overture. Simon is just feeling more receptive than normal. And like, yeah. so, so the, the, the bedrock or the core dynamic to their relationship, like, still doesn't change. It just gets, like, slightly eroded in a positive sense by the rain. Yes. Um, and Simon, for once, just kind of listens to her. And, yeah. like, sure, it's a big, beautiful moment, but in our critical take on it, which I think is valid, they still haven't solved the core issues of their relationship, which no, is concerning. not at all. Um, Lady Bridgerton tells Daphne that she can get through this with Simon and that she and her husband, the late Mr. Bridgerton, um, had problems as well. But the thing that stands out to me more is that she mentions peacocks. Yeah. She mentions that they were live peacocks and she doesn't really do anything other than that. Like she doesn't mention, there's no funny quip. There's, there's nothing there. Like she just says, oh, they were live peacocks. And I thought it was going to go into this like, oh, and then they, they did this and the peacocks were so funny. They tried flying or something like that. Mm -hmm. But instead it just seemed like they brought that up just to kind of trigger you. Yeah. That's funny. I like fully don't remember that from the episode at all and I've seen I've seen this episode twice and like taking notes and stuff on it so maybe my brain just fully like went into like PTSD mode and I haven't yeah. like processed that 
Um, but yeah, it's so funny that they would just drop peacocks in for apparently no reason. There were peacocks at this wedding. Like, it's such a weird, random thing to say. Like, you... Sort of on brand with Lady Bridgerton and her attempts at, like, making points. And just ends <laughs> Lady talking. Bridgerton starts off, like, she'll start, like, her motives are always good. Yeah. She always means well. Mm-hmm. But, like, she starts out okay, and then it just dips off, and then it just falls flat on its face. I sort of feel like she's, like, a secret stoner. Like, she... <laughs> she always just makes these weird, like, nature metaphors that don't totally add up. Um, no. But, like, ki- like it's very kindly. <laughs> like, I, I really like her. Yeah. She means well. Uh, Simon and Daphne dance in the rain. Daphne professes her love to Simon again. And and then they start to smile and it's like, okay, all is understood and everything's good. And and yet at the same time, if I were one of Daphne's friends mm-hmm. and I was watching this dynamic play out, I'd be like, okay, well, that's nice. But like, you're still, this is still a lopsided affair. Yeah, I fully agree. Like the, the resolution is, oh, the person who's already like, you know, almost bending over backwards to like, well, if you just break your spine and just continue bending, like things right. will work out. And to your point, yeah, like that's such a dangerous precipice to be on, and it usually yeah. doesn't work in these kind of dynamics that they are. And Daphne has had her errors, but I think they fundamentally come from a good place, even if they're misguided. Yeah, I was reading some coverage in the Irish media during the week, and there was an article in Image magazine, not really putting forth a thesis, but just sort of more asking the question of like, why in show after show do we keep falling for these kind of men? And the author used a term uh, called burnt marshmallow. The idea that like, oh, like, you know, these men might be hard on the outside, but like the belief is that, you know, in the inside they're soft and gooey and oftentimes they're not. Like yeah. oftentimes they're just burnt or empty. And, and my concern is about like taking a very like physically attractive person, dressing them up and giving them like a attractive sense of being but mm-hmm. wrapping that up in pretty bad traits is just mm-hmm. worrying and just engendering yes. bad stereotypes that we have. And that's my concern. I totally agree. It's not that we're saying Simon is a bad person or like, I'm, I'm not, not saying that. And sure, he's gone through some like traumatic um, experiences. What I am saying is that like it's on him to do some work and to be an equal partner to Daphne. And that's where he's failing. I'm not saying he is like a bad totally broken human like there are really good qualities to him and we see flashes of this is in him and i think it's possible within him yes but the show displays his negative traits in a positive light and that's the concern yes and doesn't seem willing to like work through them until the very end i'm not vehemently against simon i just think he has a lot of work to do and he needs to kind of figure his shit out yep agreed agreed um Lady Featherington returns from the dance and hears news um, that uh, Lord Featherington might actually be dead. They say he's dead, but mm-hmm. we don't see a body, so I don't think he's actually dead. I think he's just missing. Oh. Right? I, I think he's dead. You think he's dead? Yeah. I, I, I don't think he's dead. I think they would have showed it. Um. Well, not, I guess not, not, that people, not that many people really die on the show i just feel like it's classic rule in television if a main character or somewhat like a relatively main character dies and they don't show it then they're not dead i think that that's a reasonable theory i i don't think lord Featherington would like is a principal character in the show so i think an off-screen death seems reasonable to me the the big reveal or the big 
question in that scene for me is, you know, oh, who inherits the estate? And there's some sort of like shocked face. I think there's like some mm-hmm. surprise new like you know, head of the Featherington like estate slash household yeah. family. I think that's the big reveal. My take is yeah, Lord Featherington is they just didn't show him getting beat to shit by Drake and his mates. <laughs> Drake and his mates. <laughs> um, Simon and Daphne agree to stay and make it work. Mm-hmm. And as usual, they start having sex. And he doesn't pull out this time. <laughs> it's so funny that the climax of this show is someone not pulling out of sexual intercourse. I know. Like, I know. It took us eight episodes, but that's that. The climax of the show is is yeah. someone's climax in, in someone else. Um, that is the story arc for them, for the yeah. most part, which is like he decided to not pull out this time. <laughs> yeah, um, and Dafty learned what sex was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, later on, um, Penelope, I've been saying for a while, is you know, I think she's Lady Whistledown, which turns out yeah, you called at it. the end of this episode, she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eloise is trying to prevent the queen from uh, revealing the identity of Lady Whistledown. Yep. And so she actually, like, helps Lady Whistledown escape from a trap. Yeah, it's funny because, like, she shouts, like, it's a trap. Yeah. And uh, then, like, the private investigator, like, arrives and is like, what the fuck? And then Eloise is like, oh, sorry, I thought you were someone else. <laughs> I know, that was like... <laughs> Which is such a bad cover. Um, it's such a bad cover. Uh, all right, so, like I said, Penelope is revealed as being Lady Whistledown, which I feel like if you were watching this pretty closely, mm-hmm. uh, you would have figured that out in the last couple episodes. She just doesn't... Yeah. She. It's almost too easy to... To you know the way they they write this, um, it was just a little too obvious to me. Watching it second time around, like knowing that from episode one, they do film it in a very sort of obvious way. There's a bunch of little like looks and comments yes. and stuff that she makes. Yes. Well, and Penelope's like, yeah, she's in that carriage, and she re- they reveal who it is. It's Penelope. She takes off her hood, and she has this kind of like snarky smile. And I was like, didn't your dad just die? Yeah. No one, Lady Featherington. Okay, yeah, they're in this loveless marriage, but like no emotion when told her husband is dead. Starts bursting crying when she sees the money is gone. The money is gone, yeah. That's Um, what really, yeah, that's what. Penelope, like Eloise is comforting her, thinking that she's upset about her dad passing away. She seems to give give no fucks and is just sad about Colin going to uh, Greece. And yeah, that scene as well where like, you know, she's gearing up to tell Colin that she loves her. She loves him. And Colin's like, yeah, I'm going to Greece. And she's like, oh. Cool. Okay. No worries. Right, That's fine. See ya. And then the last shot of this episode is we see Simon and Daphne having a baby. Mm-hmm. Clearly holding a very fake baby. Um, like when yeah. you watch it back, they're holding like it's not a child at all, and then they do a little zoom in. Animatronic baby. <laughs> zoom in on a baby. So anyway, yeah, that is the end of episode eight and the end of season one of Bridgerton. <laughs> Memorable moments. Yeah, I think like obviously the most memorable moments are that sort of dance in the rain um, situation with um, Simon and Daphne. Yep. Um, yeah, Lord Featherington being like the least little guy in the world and getting his comeuppance. I did like at the start of the episode where there's, uh, you know, they're posing for the portrait and Daphne and Simon are having these kind of awkward chats while there's a violinist in the room and Mr. Granville. And like, you know, it's really awkward and they're not looking at each other. And then, like, even when they do have this moment of, like, they, like, touch shoulders and, like, oh, wow, their passion is so electric, and they stare at each other, 
Mr. Granville goes like, my word, the very picture of devotion. And like, honestly, it's not really. Like, Simon is looking at her like real kind of awkwardly. And Daphne's just kind of like staring up like demurely. And I'm wondering if like they were filming kind of like long that day and just couldn't get it together. But the director is like with a loudspeaker being like, devote more, devote. <laughs> um, but like Simon just looks really awkward in this show. I thought that um, Mr. Granville was saying that ironically. Oh, no, like that. Yeah, like, like, he seems like a pretty astute guy. I thought he was saying, wow, my word, the very picture of devotion. I didn't think he actually meant that. It's Yeah, it's it's meant to be shot, seriously. Because um, it, it oh. goes from, like, they aren't talking at all, and then they brush, and, like, you know, the things they've been trying to hide come to the fruition, and that's, like, their, like, true love. Um, so, yeah, no, he's, he's, playing, he's playing it serious, but oh. you thinking it was a joke maybe, like, gives credence to my theory. Um, yeah. Also memorable uh, for the fact that reading up on this, so they're filming all these in these kind of um, stately old houses uh, in in the UK, and apparently the custodians of these country houses uh, have very specific rules. One of the rules are like they have to be in the room all the time. So normally, sex scenes on film are quite a stripped down set, and um, but I just like the idea of like you know Simon and Daphne and you know all that sort of filming like of intense sex scenes while in the corner. Um, there's some just it's like, just a custodian. There's just a custodian just standing there, being like, just like, hey, take it easy in the bed there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or he's trying to like, he's <laughs> he's trying to kind of fit in like little uh, little fun facts about the estate. <laughs> just slowly giving a tour. Um, and fun fact: the wood here is actually hundreds of years old, which is why it's creaking so much. <laughs> so the uh, that library ladder that you are currently uh, resting on while um, <laughs> your, your friend has his head underneath your skirts, um, that was uh, inserted by the original owner uh, in, in 1780. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <that laughs> this is actually this desk, this very desk is the desk that Simon pulled out and put his... Uh, tissue on yeah i love how we both like it like kind of like square me and awkward talking about the sex bits i'm excited for when we have a, a more focused episode on uh, the intimacy in the show hero of the episode i'm gonna say daphne for communication and vulnerability this entire episode uh, between her and Simon, and she's trying. She really is trying. So mm -hmm. I think she deserves that title for uh, hero of the episode for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, shout out to Eloise as well. Um, yes. You know, saving uh, Whistledown. Um, and yeah, Mr. Finch just killing the game. Um, yeah, Mr. Finch. Villain of the episode. Probably the, the guys that kill Lord Featherington. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they kill him so i mean they have to be considered villains yeah i very much agreed um this is probably yeah, the first episode where you know someone commits an actual serious crime so i guess that is, is quite villainous and um well i think simon makes improvements from um you know the prior episode i still think he has a kind of long journey to go so i'd still put him in the villain light uh category well that's it for episode eight. Yeah. Kind of sad that it's over, but we still got plenty of episodes left in our podcast. Yeah. So from here, um, we're going to have a couple of guests come on um, to talk about different kind of slants on, on Bridgerton. Um, and we will do a couple of like feature episodes and then we'll be, um, 
yeah, bringing a, a close to season one of Bridgerton and season one of a Bridgerton podcast. But we'll be back for season two. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. This has been this has been fun. And hopefully we'll be able to get an interview with some of these people. My dream guest would be Mr. Finch. Although I don't think I... I love his character so much and I'm sure the person who plays him is very lovely. But my concern is that it would be a like, you know, don't meet your heroes kind of, kind of situation. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. Cool, man. Well, look, I'll talk to you next week. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Well, there you have it. Another episode of a Bridgerton podcast. Simply marvelous as ever. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on your favourite podcast app, and tell a friend. Until next time, ta-ta!